Triumph in Death, the story of the Malagasy Martyrs by Graham Smith. This is church history of the island of Madagascar. You know where Madagascar is, right? It's off the coast of Mozambique. And that is the island where the missionaries went to. In 1792, William Carey left England to become a missionary to India. And he is called the father of modern missions, even though he is not the first missionary. That's the Apostle Paul. He's not the first European missionary. He's not even the first British missionary. But William Carey is called the father of modern missions Because Carey influenced all the other missionaries. And when Carey went, it was like taking the cap off a bottle of Coke. Shake it up and take off the cap. That cap was Carey. And when Carey came off, then the rest started shooting out. And I am a son of Carey. I'm influenced by him and I'm coming from him. Well, 24 years after Carey went... He's now in India. He's starting to see some people converted. And back in Wales, Wales is a province of the United Kingdom, Britain. There was a college for young men. And a 19-year-old boy was there named David. David Jones. He's 19. And his teacher is a man named Thomas Phillips. He's lost to us. We don't even know him. But Thomas Phillips somehow was influenced by William Carey and began praying for islands of the world. And he said, we already have a missionary who's gone to Africa. We already have a missionary who's gone to India. We have a missionary who went to America. We have a missionary who went to South America. Now we need a missionary to go to Madagascar. And he began praying for Madagascar. And Thomas Phillips taught these young men. And one day in class, he shocked them all by saying, Who's going to go to Madagascar? And then he was silent. Until everyone began to feel awkward. And everyone thinks, What are you doing? You're the teacher. And suddenly, the young boy, David Jones, stood up and said, I'll go. How old is he? 19. His friend, Thomas, is 21. He says, I'll go with you. So in the next year, they both find girls who are willing to go. Can you imagine this? A 20-year-old boy takes a 20-year-old girl, and the 20-year-old girl says, the father says, yes, marry her. And he says, but when I marry her, I'm going to take her around the world to an island. There's no churches there. There's no schools. There's no hospitals. There's no money. I'm going to go there. I don't even know if they want me. They might kill me with spears when I arrive. And the dad says, go. 20 years old. And his friend, 22. 
So in February 1818, they get on a boat. This was after all the churches in Wales gathered together and 5,000 people came to the last service to send these two men and their two wives out. 5,000 people. They said there was no church or building large enough to hold the group. So they went into a field and they had seven sermons. These people were serious Christians. They sent the two men and the two women off. They've just been married. They arrive in an island called Mauritius in July, February to July, sitting on a boat. He leaves his wife in Mauritius and goes down to Madagascar and tries to get a house ready. He starts a school. He comes back to get his wife. He takes his wife there, but guess what? She... She has a present for him. What is it? She's got a baby. She's not even 21. She's got a baby. He's a young man. They show up in Madagascar. Now they've got their friends, Thomas and his wife. And Thomas and his wife now have a... So it's Thomas and his wife and a baby. And it's David and his wife and a baby. David and his wife go to Madagascar. And Thomas and his wife are waiting at Mauritius. They're about to go. They're going to go on the next boat. David arrives. They start to work in the school. They have children who are coming. They're teaching them how to read. Suddenly in November, his wife gets sick with a tropical disease. Some diseases are only found around the tropics, the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer. Certain diseases are there, and if you live there, The people who are weak to that disease will die. And then the people who are strong to that disease will live. And they will build up an immunity over time. But David Jones isn't from that area. So he's not not immune. In December. Before Christmas. His baby dies. And his wife dies. 21 years old. A week later, his teammates arrive. His teammate says, I don't know what God has in store, but I think my wife and I will die too, and you're going to finish the job. Shortly after that, he gets sick with the same disease and his wife and their baby. Within a few weeks, they die. Of the six who go, five are in the grave. David gets sick with the same disease. He's so weak that he can barely crawl. It says he crawls to the boat to take him back to Mauritius, to get him away from that climate. He goes away for over a year. He comes back in 1820. The people at Mauritius who saw he went out, six of them went out, one of them comes back. They mock him and laugh at him and say, those stupid people in Madagascar can never be converted. They're dogs. The one man said, it's better you preach to this dog than you preach to those people. David went back in 1820. 
At this point, you need to understand something about Madagascar. It's a single island off the coast of Africa. So Africans think that Madagascar is part of Africa. But there's only one language on the whole island. How many languages are there in Mozambique? 41. We've got 11 languages in South Africa. And the only reason we have so few is because it took so long for the people to get here. In Nigeria, you've got over 400. Madagascar, the whole thing has one language, and it's not Bantu. Bantu is she, she, ye, ti, ri, ma, vu, ma, ku, or invented chi, zi, li, ma, uh, hu, ma, uh, hu, u. Those categories, Swahili, Tswana, Zulu, Pedikosa, Sutu, all of those are Bantu languages because they have the categories. But the Malagasy language doesn't have those categories. It's more like an Indian language. And the people don't have the same facial features. Something, something's genetically different. They're like they're Polynesian from the islands over by Australia. But furthermore, there's only one language for the whole place. How'd that happen? Well, there was one man who was a brilliant administrator. And he brought it under control. It's, it's, look at number nine. See if you can read that name. Go ahead, Dakota. Read that name. <laughs> How would you like it if he was your little boy and you had to call his name for him to come home for dinner? Andrianam Poinimerina. Go ahead, go out to go to the go to the door and call that five times for him to come home. This man was a brilliant administrator and he brought law and order to the whole island. He introduced irrigation and he started money. Money is a great invention. It's a tool. Maybe you remember in the economics class. Money is not a small thing. It is a very, very big thing. It's a tool whereby you can buy things and sell things very quickly. You can do everything without money, but it's very, very slow. Money makes the world go fast. Money is not wealth at all. Don't ever think that 100 Rand is wealth. No, no, no. It's a tool that allows you to get wealth more quickly. Imagine if you had to take chairs and trade them at Pep to get shoes. Imagine if you had to, what would you trade to get a mask? Here, I've got two socks. Will you give me a mask? But this man had invented money on his island. And then his son Radama took over after him. And his son Radama encouraged the slave trade. That is... He would go throughout Madagascar and he would take slaves and send them on boats to Mauritius and sell them to people. And Radama would make tons of money. And the British government, when they came in, they said, you cannot sell slaves. We always hear it the other way, right? The British people are always the one doing the slave trading. And they were. They did some terrible things. But in this particular island, there were thousands of people every year who... The natives were stealing their own people because the king wanted all the... 
And he was selling the people and taking the money to himself. And the British government said, you cannot do this anymore. In fact, there was a war over this. Political uprising. And finally, the British government won and would not allow them to sell slaves anymore. Their religion was a religion of idols. Very much like Buddhism. They had idols for everything. In every home, he writes, every home was filled with idols. But outside of the idols, it sounds very much like African religion. So it's like a blend of Asia and Africa. They had taboos. But there was no book to tell them about the taboos. So the taboos would change from time to time. Slowly but surely, they would change a little bit at a time until they had completely manipulated. Well, in 1820, Jones begins his work. He's now 22 or 23 years old. He started that school. Do you remember back in 1818? Now he comes back and within 10 years, he starts 32 schools for 4,000 children. By 1828, that is eight years after he's been there, there are three other men and their families who had joined Jones. Jones stayed single all his life, as far as I know. And that's when he began the translation of the Bible. Not 1828. When he first arrived, he began the translation of the Bible. Now, this is remarkable. Remember how old he is, 22 or 23. And he works from Greek and Hebrew. And first of all, what's the most difficult thing? You've got to pull the language out of the air. air. There are no books, no pencils, no pens. The people themselves have no concept of of grammar. You're going to have to pull all those ideas, write it down, teach them how to read, and then from them knowing how to read, teach yourself how to, how to understand the language. That right there is an enormous task. When did, the Venda missionary, when did the German missionaries arrive to work with the Vendas? 1875. When was their Bible done? 1936. How many years is that? 60 one. There was a team of German missionaries who took 61 years to pull the Venda language out of the air. But I'll tell you, when they came here to get the Venda language, the Tswana language was already done. So they could already look at Robert Moffat's work and say, aha, there's a Concord system with Chi, 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 Zi, Lima, Muva, Mumi. They could already see that. They had work. They could stand on the shoulders of someone else. David Jones can't stand on anyone's shoulders. He's by himself completely doing a language that's never been attempted before. How long did it take the Tsonga missionaries, the missionaries from Switzerland? They got here in 1875. They get their first Bible in 1907, but it's not quality. They have to revise it in 1929. Let's just go from 1907. How many years is that? 32. A team of Tsonga missionaries working for 32 years to pull the Tsonga language out of the air. But they've got Vendas over here they can talk with, they can help from. Remember, the Venda missionaries and the Tsonga missionaries arrived at the same time. And they wrote letters and visited. They talked to each other. They had the Sutu Bible. They had the Tswana Bible. 
They could learn from those other languages. In fact, they had many Sutu helpers who knew English and knew Sutu and knew Tsonga. Ha! Wow! David Jones had none of that. He begins translating the Bible in 1820 or 21. Number 16, Radama the king was only 36 years old. But suddenly he died. Radama had supported the missionaries. He loved their schools. He said, you can translate the Bible. You can live here freely. And as many, as many missionaries as want, they can all come for free. Come, come. And so that's where the other couples came from and joined them. But when he died, the goodwill died as well. His father, the man with that long name, Andriana something, his father had many wives. And his son, Rakotobe, was supposed to be the next king. But one of his stepmothers, one of his father's other wives, her name was Ranavaluna. The O there is pronounced U. Ranavaluna. Ranavaluna is one of the unusual women in history. She wanted to conquer and be a queen. And so she killed Rakutube. And she took power. And then her cruelty began to show. There are many stories in this book of her cruelty. Just one gives an example. She asked for water. A slave girl brought in the water on a dish. And as she walked, the glass fell. She had the girl's head cut off. This is Ranavaluna, who killed her own family members and took over. She now dislikes the missionaries and wants to kick them out. So the missionaries have to fight to stay. They can't leave yet, it's too early. So they have to convince her to allow them to stay because they haven't finished translating the Bible yet. So they go to her and say, please let us stay. Look what we're doing. We're translating the Bible. She says, I don't care about the Bible. I love the idols. They say, we have schools. We're teaching your people how to read. She says, we don't want to be like that. We don't need to read. What good does reading do? We have 4,000 students who are learning how to read. She said, we don't care. One of the men who was a missionary came over. His name was James Cameron. He was very clever. He had a good mind for mechanics. And so he guessed what might the queen want. And he went to visit the queen and said, Queen, if you'll give me seven days, I will give you soap. They had brought those things from Europe. Some soap and, and iron shovels. And of course, the queen loved those, but they had to get all those from overseas. He said, you give me a week, I'll invent soap for you from Madagascar so that your people, and I'll teach your people how to make it. So you can clean. See, I give you seven days. They never told me these are the kinds of things you need to study to be a missionary. He takes seven days. He starts looking. He looks in books. He starts mixing chemicals. He takes animal fat. He takes ashes. He starts mixing things together. At the seventh day, he comes away with two little bars of soap. 
He takes them back to the queen. The queen says, okay, you can stay. Look at this amazing quote. It's number 23. It was largely to the production of these two little bars of soap that the missionaries were allowed to continue their work for several years longer and to lay deep and firm the foundations of the Malagasy church. Malagasy is the language, like Chivenda, Shitsonga, the Malagasy people. Soap! God can use even people who invent soap to build his church. And they're able to get about five more years from that soap. It's enough to finish the translation of the whole Bible. The missionaries work night and day to get this Bible done. They revive. Now, if you've never done translation work, you don't understand how hard this is. You translate the first time, but it's not nice. You have to revise it. And your first revision will change many, many, many things. Your second revision will change a lot. You usually need to revise three or four times. But your first revision is, the first translation is almost always bad. Like a six out of ten or a seven out of ten. When you revise it once, it moves up to an eight or so. But you don't want to give someone an eight out of ten. You've got to give them at least a nine, 9.5. They're able to translate the whole Bible and to do two revisions. These are major. Imagine not just reading every page in the Bible, but checking every verb tense. Not, I mean, what if they write tida onana? No, it's not da, it's cha. Oh, oh, change that. We've got to change it every single place in every verse. Riso bonana. No, not riso, rido. Not do, but do. You've got to change it all like that. It's amazing that these men could do this. What's also amazing is that when the queen said, we don't want you anymore, she took away all the Malagasy workers. The people who had been being led to Christ, they can't work for the missionaries anymore. So you can't ask a Malagasy before they would just pay. I'll give you 5,000 rand a month. You sit with me for 10 hours a day and I'll just ask you questions. Do I say uh, Richo Bonana, Rilo Bonana, or Rido Bonana. Yeah, Rido. Okay, write that. Ten hours a day, you're getting your pay to sit down and answer my questions. Can't do that anymore. The queen took them all away. Said, if you want to do your work, do it without any helpers. It's almost a miracle to think what these men did. The guy writes in here, it's one of the most amazing feats in the history of the church. To see that they translated the Bible that accurately, that quickly, into such an unknown language. With that kind of pressure breathing down on them. Number 25. In 1831, the first 28 converts were baptized after 12 and a half years. 12 and a half years. Can you do that? Can you go to Muradani and work for 12 years to make sure that one's a true Christian? I know that one will be with me at the final call. I, I know, I've got no doubt. I see the fruit. Others might have a church, 
but we don't know if their people are even going to be with them after death. That one's a believer. I would love to have 5,000, but I know that one's going to be with me. They work for 12 and a half years before they baptize, and then they baptize 28. What a service that would have been. It would be weeks of weeping and rejoicing before and weeks of weeping and rejoicing afterward. (laughs) What a day. I think I'd stay up all night. I wouldn't be able to sleep. (laughs) One of those to be baptized in this group was a Sangoma named, who can read that? Rainitsieva. He joined the children's class that he could learn to read the Bible. He's a Sangoma. He changed his name from Raimitsi Eva. He said, I don't want to be related at all to my pagan practices. Give me the name Paul because I am the chief of sinners. You know, sometimes wrongly, it was wrong when colonialists said, take the name Mike. But it is not wrong at all if someone says, I have the name Mpeziseni and I want the name Amos, because he was a preacher. This man did that. And by the way, the first Venda man did something like that. The Venda convert. His name was John. That wasn't his original name. He changed his name to John when he became a believer. I'm not saying you have to do that. No one has to do that. I personally like Takaro, and I would rather call you Nsako. I like Deneo. But look at his faith. He's by himself, he's converted, and he takes the name Paul to show that he's a believer. Around 1834, a government employee listened to the gospel and pretended conversion. But he was still bound by idols. He mixed Christianity and his old beliefs. He goes out preaching. The the Malagasy believers say, no, stop, don't preach anymore. He won't listen to them. He says, I'm preaching the true gospel. He says, I'm preaching the gospel of the missionaries and the island is so big he goes away where the missionaries are not at. And the Malagasy people say, no, no, you're not preaching it right. He starts his own church. But he's blending. He says, you can be a Christian and still keep the idols. By the end of 1834, nearly 200 people are prepared for baptism. 1834, what time did they start? They originally arrived at 1818, then they left. Then he comes back in 1820. It really started in 1820. It's now 16 years. And the queen forced some of the missionaries to leave. Jones and two other guys are allowed to stay. Look over on page 16. 1835, 17 years after Jones had arrived, the queen declares that no one may worship anything except idols. 1835. You remember, you remember, we have how many believers? In 1831, there's 28. But now in 1834, 200 are preparing for baptism. So there's a church of two or 300 people spread over this whole island. They're not in one place. It wasn't one big church. It was little groups, just like what we have here. A group in Jimmy Jones, a group in Mashamba, a group in Jarele. And you get them all together and there's 200 or so. And now the queen declares, no one may worship anything except idols. In fact, she goes further and says, you must turn yourself in. I will not allow anyone to turn you in. 
you must turn yourself in and you have seven days to do it. If you don't turn yourself in as a, you call, she's referring to the Malagasy who had been baptized and were going to worship with the Christians. She's saying to them, if you went there, you need to come and confess to a government employee. I went there, but I'm not a Christian. And you must bow and worship the idols in front of the government employee. You have seven days to do that by yourself. If not, then we're going to allow anyone in the kingdom to find you. And anyone who finds you and turns you in will get a reward and you will die. So the leaders of the schools, remember they had 32 schools. 12 of the leaders of the schools immediately turned themselves in and gave up Christianity. A government worker who received the testimony from those school teachers, a government, this is number 33, a government worker mocked Christianity because he said, you always sing this song that says, I have no fear of death because Jesus is near. But now we see that you are just like us. You are terrified of death. He mocked them and said, there's no Malagasy person who will stand up to this? There's not one Christian here. The only Christian are the Europeans. And the only reason they are Christians is because they're getting a lot of money from Europe. But some did persevere. They met with the missionaries at night. They were not allowed to sing, so they would whisper the words of the songs together. Can you imagine that? I call a church meeting. We're going to meet at one in the morning. We're not going to sing and we won't have lights. We'll sit very close to each other and we'll whisper the words back and forth so that we can hear each other with the, with the hymns that we learned. The missionaries worked furiously. Everyone's been kicked out except a few men. They're not allowed to evangelize or to preach in public. If they do, they will be kicked out of the country. In late 1835, most of the missionaries left. Only two men stayed to finish the Bible translation. When it was finally published, one man walked 160 kilometers to get a copy of God's word. What do we do for the Bible? We won't even pay for it. This man walks 160 kilometers to get a copy of God's word. The Christians met in secret in remote hiding places. They hid their copies of the scripture in holes in the ground. There were orders from the queen to burn the white man's book. So they would sometimes dig holes and hide their Bible in holes. Do we know anything like this commitment in July 1836, the last two missionaries left Madagascar. They had had a missionary for 17 years. David Jones, the first missionary, died at 44 years old on the island of Mauritius. Can you imagine being David Jones? Do you think he felt like a failure? 
He's saying, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you save my wife? Why didn't you give me another wife? Why didn't you save these people? Why didn't you, you made the one man die at 36, the one king. Why didn't that queen die? Look at number 44. Now that the missionaries have left, the new believers have to prove their faith in persecution by themselves. There are a number of Christians who are taken and bound in chains. There are so many stories in this book about different Christians who were persecuted. There was a Christian woman named Rasalama. They put her in prison and tied her wrists tight so that she would be very uncomfortable. They said, if you will, re- if you will leave Christianity, we'll take the chains off. The next night, she wouldn't change, so they beat her and left her in prison all night. They said, we're going to get harder and harder each day until you give up. She wouldn't give up, and so they took her out, and they executed her. Executions on that island were done with spears. It's one thing to die with a gun. It's over in a second. The way they kill people today in the government, if the government ever has capital punishment, they'll just give you a needle, they'll put it right in your arm, and you just go to sleep and it's over. In those days, they would throw metal uh, wooden poles sharpened at their tip. It would be excruciatingly painful. The woman sang hymns while they threw spears through her body. She became the first Malagasy martyr and many others would follow her. During the next 20 years, there were 26 years of persecution. During the next 20 years, 2,000 2000 to 3,000, we don't know the exact number, Christians were killed without any missionary presence. How can that be? Wait a minute. Do you see the number? How many missionaries were there when, how many Christians were there when the missionaries left? No, no, look back. What number? On number 28, it's about 200 who are preparing for baptism. Let's say they missed another 500 that they didn't count. Let's say that before the last missionaries went, another 800 were converted. At the most, it's 1,000. But over the next 26 years, while the missionaries are not there, they kill how many Christians? That means, where did those 3,000 come from? It was the Malagasy who did it. Their church couldn't die because the Holy Spirit was there. You can kick out missionaries. You can't kick out the Holy Spirit. Number 48, the stories of true Christianity are amazing from this section. Rafa Ravavi was a rich woman. Imagine this, a rich woman, she was sold into slavery because she refused to deny Christ. Her family redeemed her and she was taken by the government and sold as a slave a second time. And they told her, you can come out of slavery just by saying, I give up Christ. Do we know anything like this kind of Christianity? This sounds like another, another world, doesn't it? Number 50, the Sangoma Rainitsieva took the name Paul. In 1847, 11 years after the missionaries left, 
Andrean. Oh, by the way, this guy Paul, he does amazing things. Eventually, he is sold as a slave himself, and he dies in slavery, still evangelizing the people he works with in the field. Andrian Bello heard the gospel and became a believer in 1847. That's 11 years after the missionaries. That means who evangelized Andrian Bello? The Malagasy Christians. He was sold as a slave and redeemed by his relatives, but he did not stop preaching. He was very poor. He was a soap seller. You know, people sit out and sell mangoes. That was what he did, but he didn't have enough money to make the soap. He would buy it from a man and sell it. One of the poorest of all the people on the island. Constant persecution kept him in hiding and running until 1861. How many years is that? 14 years. But he was called a pastor during those years. They made him a pastor. He would visit homes in the night and walk from house to house preaching single sermons at individual homes. In 1861, when the queen dies, he is made the pastor of a single church. That church eventually grows to almost 1,000 people. They offer him a salary and he refuses to take it. Can you imagine that? I, this, this is like the book of Acts. It's biblical to take a salary. It's not a sin. He says, that's fine. Let me just keep working. Give the money to someone else. Church of a thousand people. I, I tried to think after I, after I studied this. Can I think of one, one example that I've ever met in America, Africa, China, Spain, Europe. Even one example of this kind of devotion to the Lord Jesus. I can't think of one. I'm ashamed that I don't love the Lord Jesus like this. Through his evangelism and ministry, two queens after the cruel Ranavulona, Ranavaluna were baptized. Ranavaluna number two and Ranavaluna number three. Her daughters, he led them to Christ and baptized them. He had no education. The only education he had was learning how to read. Other than that, he had no education, but he continues as a pastor until 1904. He was never known for being an intellect, but he was known as a man of integrity and spirituality. Which one's more important? Add up the years. He's a pastor until 1904. When did he start? 1847. How many years is that? 57 years as a Christian, and when he's converted, he's already selling, so he's already working. What is he, 20 when he's converted? This man serves the Lord for 57 years with no money and no pay. And 26 of those years, well, not quite 26 because he's converted after the persecution starts, for many of those years, he's living and ministering in persecution. Number 57, the Malagasy believers endured five waves of persecution over 26 years without ever being free from government pressure. But at the end of that time, having begun with less than a thousand baptized converts 
and having lost several thousand people who were killed, at the end of the persecution, how many believers were there? What will it take for the Lord Jesus to give that to us here among the Tsongas and Vendas? Can you imagine being with 7,000 Vendas who have this kind of faith and love for Jesus? What would it sound like to sing with them? Can you imagine singing with 7,000 Tsongas who love the Lord Jesus like this? It must be like heaven. Christ built his church in Madagascar with just a few kids. We call them kids. Today they haven't even finished the trick. Two lessons. Number one is Christian commitment. And number two is to work with a spirit of urgency. Christian commitment. Do any of us have this kind of commitment? Have we ever seen people that we've baptized who they would face death and not give up? And number two, work with a spirit of urgency. The night is coming when no man can work. John 9 verse 4. Those missionaries reached Madagascar in their early years. And they began working night and day. Why didn't they stay in, in Wales to finish their university degree? Why didn't they stay in, and, and build up some savings? There was an urgency to these men. Souls are dying and going to hell. Can I, can I sit here a moment longer when they don't have anyone preaching to them? It burns into their soul. Would to God that we had this kind of urgency. We can't wait. We can't rest. We must go, work, press. May God give us the spirit that was on the, spirit, the, the believers in Madagascar.